Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I'm Ben Duncan, and on this podcast, I will be interviewing prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohio. Tired of wasting time on tedious processes? Try Form Assembly, the secure, all-in-one Salesforce connected data collection platform. Form Assembly helps customers streamline and automate data collection processes, enabling organizations in all industries to save an average of 55 hours each week on manual data entry. Using the platform's new workflow builder, non-technical users can map entire data collection workflows eliminate inefficient processes and make better, faster decisions, all without code or help from IT. Visit www.formassembly.com forward slash talent hub to learn more about the number one enterprise data collection platform for Salesforce. In today's episode, I'm joined by Nick Breiner. Nick is the head of business operations for a company called Falvine out of Utah. Through the episode, uh, we explore Nick's view and take as a Salesforce hiring manager hiring for an entry-level Salesforce professional. Uh, Nick recently started building out his Salesforce team at Falvine, and uh, he hired two Salesforce people, uh, one with experience and one without. Um, So I thought it was interesting to get Nick onto the podcast to talk about what he was looking for from the person that didn't have experience and how an entry-level Salesforce professional can stand out both in the application and interview phases. So really, really interesting insight from Nick. And if you are looking to make your break in the Salesforce ecosystem, I highly recommend listening to this episode. I hope you enjoy it. And if you do, please do subscribe for future episodes that are coming through. So Nick, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. This is your first appearance as a guest on the podcast, but you have been mentioned on the podcast before. I think you uh, you heard your name uh, mentioned a few uh, few weeks back. Yeah, when you and Ben Fuller were talking about the associate ad- or the, the junior admin positions, my name came up. It made me kind of chuckle because you talked about me as if everyone would know who I was. <laughs> well, we all do. We all do, and I'm glad to have you here today to talk about your experience as a hiring manager and. Um, and, and yeah, really some some kind of tips and uh, advice for people that are looking to make their break into the Salesforce world. I think, um, you know, lots of people read content online and, and will see different viewpoints, but it's quite rare to get in the mind of a hiring manager to understand kind of what you would look for when you're assessing junior Salesforce talent and, and why you would hire junior talent. So I thought that was a good opportunity to get you on the show to talk about your experience. Yeah, of course. Super happy to talk about it. I'm I'm passionate about this, so I'm eager to talk about it. Excellent. Excellent. Well, let, let's start um, firstly looking at your career a little bit. So um, h- how did you find your way into Salesforce? And I guess kind of what did you do beforehand? And um, and what kind of roles have you held since you've been in the ecosystem? So I kind of fell into Salesforce. My, my path was kind of a little weird. I was in healthcare before, like not even system stuff, like patient care. I was taking care of patients. And I had an older brother who fell into an admin role kind of by accident. And he had been telling me for years, like, Nick, you need to try this Salesforce thing. You'd be good at it. You'd like it. You should do it. And I blew him off forever because I was like, that looks weird. And and the stuff he was saying just sounded too good to be true. But after a while, he convinced me. And so I spent a couple months and grinded out the first Salesforce certification, which was really challenging. 
but managed to get it done and started going to like user group meetings, was going to conferences. Like they have a conference called Snowforce here in Utah. I went to that. And through some of the connections I made, I was able to, uh, and my older brother helped me with this a lot too. I got connected to a company uh, that was looking for a backfill for an admin position. They were willing to take a chance on me. Um, I, I impressed them enough during the interview process that they said they wanted to go with me. And so I was able to break in that way as kind of a solo one-man admin team for this software startup. The company is called Filevine. It's actually where I'm at now. I left and came back. Okay. A boomerang. Yeah, I did a boomerang. So got into Salesforce that way. And since then, I've held mostly admin type roles. So I was kind of a mix of a sales operations and Salesforce admin person at Filevine my first time. And then I left there and went to some different companies between then and when I went back. Uh, where I was, I held basically various iterations of Salesforce admin, senior Salesforce admin type titles. This position I'm at, I have at Filevine now is my first time where I'm kind of leading a team and, and managing a lot more that way. And knew right away that I wanted to use that as an opportunity to uh, bring some more junior people in. Yeah, nice. It was interesting what you said at the beginning about when your brother was trying to talk you into Salesforce and you were like, oh, this is a little bit weird, you know, not for me. Um, I've had a similar experience recently trying to encourage my sister into the Salesforce world. And I think it's it's quite, she hasn't gone too deep. She's been playing around with Trailhead and stuff, but she's like, oh, you know, this, why would someone need me to do this? Like, why would someone need me to do a password reset? Why would someone need me to add a field? It all seems pretty easy. And that's um, like the, the initial stages. People are like, you know, how can people get paid money, like really decent salaries for this quite basic? And unless they dig a bit deeper and get that passion, they kind of don't understand it. So it can be quite hard to talk people into Salesforce initially until they kind of really explore and, and go under the bonnet. Right. And what people don't realize, and I didn't realize, is that that's not what you're getting paid for to add a field. Yeah. Though that is part of it, because half the executive stakeholders, even though it is really easy, don't know how to do that. So that is one part of it. But the other part of it is that they're paying you to just own the system and to be the person who they can send those questions and send those problems to, and to be the person who's going to understand the entire business context. Mm -hmm. um, that's really where the value comes in. Yeah, maybe I needed to sell it better to her. Yeah. My brother, what finally got me across the line was when he started telling me about some of the problems he was solving day to day and the types of people he was working with and the amount of people he was working with. Like he, he was working with people in sales, marketing, just all over the place. And I was like, that sounded fun. It just sounded fun. And the types of problems that he was solving were the types of things I dreamed about solving. So it, it was an easy sell at that point. Nice. You've moved into this management role and you mentioned, you know, you wanted to kind of give back and, and help people on that journey. So what was it though that kind of gave you the the desire or the idea to hire someone without experience recently when you, you went to market for a, a team member? So it was two things. One was, like I said, someone took a chance on me and I have benefited immeasurably from that. So I wanted to pay it forward a little bit. So there was, that was part of it. The other part of it was just that it's also a good fit for what I as a manager need right now. Like I have a lot of different Salesforce work I'm doing right now from projects to more day-to-day -day type stuff like resetting passwords for users. And a lot of the stuff I'm doing, I could very easily hand to someone who's an entry-level person. Like you don't need experience to, for me to train you how to go and do a password reset or do some data cleanup or create a user. <laughs> like just a lot of that type of stuff. So 
I have a, I have a really I'm in a really good position to be able to have someone that I can give some of that work to, while also having the flexibility to have them take on other smaller projects along the way. Um, just it fit the business needs I have really well to have a junior admin. I also should say that I hired an admin as well. I hired for two positions, so I've got a more senior and a more entry level person. I, I shouldn't say senior, more mid really, so I can have a bit of both. But yeah, it just made sense from a business perspective. Well, I mean, that, that does make sense for someone that is an advocate of Salesforce and understands and wants to pay it forward and, and, and all of that. But in my experience, a lot of the time dealing with um, hiring managers, um, they want often the most experience they can get for their budget. So um, how did you sell that to the business? Because you're basically saying, look, we, we don't need to, like there might be people out there that have more experience, but we, we don't need them right now. We need someone that's junior and that we can train and, and grow. Did they not say, well, can't we get someone with more experience for the same budget? Like, how, how did you make that business case internally to go completely green? Well, for one, you can't get someone with more experience for the same budget. Like, if you're going to want experience, you're going to pay for it. That's true in all industries, but it's very true in Salesforce. So the pitch was twofold. One was I showed them the amount of time I was spending doing stuff like creating users. Because at the time, it was just me doing it. And I was like, I'm, I, my time would be better spent doing other things. So there was a business case I made, like, this is what I need. And then there was a budgetary component to it as well, where I made the pitch that, you know, if we get someone junior, we're not like, we're gonna, not going to have to budget anywhere near as much for them, which would also enable us to budget more for maybe another person who would be more senior if we wanted to, instead of two people kind of mid, which I'd rather have that structure and that staggering, you know. And in a year's time, after we hired the junior, we're going to have someone who's going to have a lot of tribal knowledge, who's going to have been brought up and instructed on the ways that how we do things. They're not going to be bringing baggage from anywhere else. And a lot of opportunity to train them and bring them up, and they're going to be relatively cheaper. Now, obviously, you know, after they've had gotten a year of experience, I'm going to need to be making sure they're getting good enough raises, that type of thing. So that's something that I'm already surfacing to my boss and we're going to have to talk about in the near future. But right now, it was an easy sell. It was cheaper, fit the business needs, totally worked. Yeah, nice. So what were the key requirements? And what were you kind of, when you went to market, what were you looking for? And um, and yeah, what, what was the goal? Okay, yeah. So I had two main things I was looking for. One was you needed to have enough of a grounding in Salesforce that it wasn't a total project to bring you up. You needed to have enough uh, understanding that like, you know, you were there was something to build up. So... I wasn't looking for someone to be certified, but you needed to be able to show me that you knew enough. Like you knew what an object was, you knew where to go to build automation. You had an idea of what that looked like, just, you know, basics. And um, from there, I wanted someone who was going to be driven. I needed someone who wanted to grow out of this role fast. And I wanted someone who's going to be adaptable because the company I work at is kind of in a hyper growth stage. They're, they're still a startup, but they're growing out of it pretty quick. I wanted someone who I knew would just temperamentally would fit well with the company's stage that we're at right now because it's pretty chaotic, pretty wild west, and we're building a lot of things out to scale, but it's not there right now. So I needed someone who's going to be adaptable and someone who's just going to be a super good communicator because I have a lot of really heavy hitting stakeholders that are, they're going to be working with a lot. And I need to make sure that they're going to be able to do a good job handling communication with those people. So if, if there was enough understanding of Salesforce. And I thought that the temperament and aptitude was there and they were able to impress me with their personal skills in the interview, then that was what I was looking for. 
It's interesting because, and we'll get on to kind of, um, you know, what you saw from different candidates and what stood out and things like that. But everything you've said you're looking for is quite hard to put on a resume. And I think people fall into this trap, right, where they're like, um, oh, well, uh, you know, we um, we have to put buzzwords on, on our, our CV. We have to kind of highlight things that we've done in Salesforce. And, and that really wasn't what you were looking for, right? You didn't want to see a lightning web components written on a CV. You didn't, you know, it wasn't about how many Salesforce certification logos were at the top of the CV. It was more about the personality type and the the soft or um, the tough skills to learn, right, that, that you were kind of um, exploring. So, so yeah, we'll, we'll explore kind of what stood out and what didn't and things. But that it's, I think that that's a, a really relevant point around, you know, how you, you present yourself because it's not just about putting as much information as you can about Salesforce on a resume. Um, but, um, but yeah, how did you go about hiring and, um, and what kind of response did you get? So I posted the job postings that I had available on LinkedIn and I, I was fortunate enough that that got a lot of response, got a lot of response for the associate, you know, more entry level position. We had over 200 applicants. Um, the first 24 hours we had over 125, it was so bad. The recruiters just got floored and they shut down the posting for a while because they're like, we need some time to process all of this. So there was about 10 hours where the posting was down for a while so they could process it and then they put it back up by the end of the two or three weeks that it was open. Cause I tried to move pretty quick on it. Yeah. We had over 200 applicants for that entry level position, just a huge amount of response. Wow. And um, I guess if you were to be able to pull the, the candidates from their, their initial applications, the ones that stood out to the ones that didn't, like what, what were the differences? What could, how did you kind of make an assessment on what was good and what was bad? Great question. This was one of the, those things where, like you mentioned before, how do you determine a lot of this stuff that I was looking for based just on a resume? And so I had to work with my recruiters a lot to kind of just get a feel for what do we think looks good here? Basically, if on your resume and in your application, you're able to say things like, I have experience with Salesforce, either through things like super badges, or if you did have a certification that helped, or if you could show us that you had experience, like hands-on experience with Salesforce somewhere. Like we had one person who like used Salesforce for managing his rental properties. Like he had just built out his own little tiny org of Salesforce that just he used for his rental properties that rocketed him to the top of the list. Um, he, he was one of the more serious looks we had. So if you had some way you could show that you had hands-on experience at Salesforce, you were slotted for a screening call. And at that point, the priority of the screening call was basically either, did you apply fast or did Nick tell the recruiters to go look for you? Because there were several people who had reached out to me on LinkedIn and impressed me enough there that I told the recruiters to keep an eye out for him. And so assuming they hit these other criteria, if I said, go look for this person, they got screened fast and usually moved through the interview process pretty quick. And uh, in the podcast with Ben, we, we spoke about personal brands and, you know, he's not a massive fan of, of personal brands. And I think a personal brand isn't necessarily just posting on, on LinkedIn all the time and posting about content, but like anyone can post about their Salesforce journey and not necessarily be looking to build a personal brand, but just be looking to kind of help other people on their journey or just, just document what they're learning and things like that. Did you, um, when you looked at people's applications and, uh, and and things like that, did you, obviously you saw this gentleman that had built a, a Salesforce org around their rental uh, properties, but did you look at what they were posting on LinkedIn? Did you look to see if they were like creating content? Yeah. So if I had noticed that you were doing this type of thing, 
or you had commented on my post and talked engaged with me that way, that helped a lot. So one of the guys that I interviewed, he he built a flow. I loved this. He built a flow that was external facing so he could provide you a URL. And when you clicked on the URL, it would rickroll you. And it was all through this flow that he had built in his own little dev org. I loved that. And even though like uh, when I saw that, like I was pretty sure I knew I wanted to hire, I made sure we interviewed that guy because it impressed me so much. So I definitely agree with Ben that like have, spending a ton of time building a quote unquote brand on LinkedIn is not necessarily helpful when you're at the early stages of your career. But at the same time, making sure you have a presence there that you are talking about your journey, that you're engaging with people, especially people like me who are hiring, that goes a long ways. Uh, we notice. And if if you were someone who I had seen posting on LinkedIn a lot about Salesforce, and then you applied, it was more likely that I made sure to take a look at you. Yeah, absolutely. So then what about interviews and uh, and then also follow-ups from interviews? Like what went well through that process and, and what didn't go so well? So... Like I said before, if you got to the point where you were interviewing with me, we had basically already decided that your technical skills were probably good enough. So I was, I would kind of do a check to see like how, okay, tell me why you're looking to move into Salesforce. Tell me where you feel like you're at with Salesforce. Um, like one of the questions I would ask is where do you feel like you're strong with Salesforce? Where do you feel like you're weak? But past that, assuming that those answers were good, um, I was asking a lot more like personal questions, like how do you like, like for critical thinking skills, that type of thing. So I would ask people questions like, tell me about a time where you handled a project that had a lot of ambiguity, like how you manage that, maybe anything you learned from going through that. And um, so I was looking for people just who were able to answer those questions well, give me thorough answers to those questions. And the personal skills was a huge part of it. So things that went well were people able to give me detailed answers to my questions. Things that didn't go well were some people, it was clear that like, I don't want to say casual, but it was obvious they hadn't put a ton of thought into the whole process. Like, for example, I had some people who I would give them 10 or 15 minutes at the end of the interview to ask me questions. Say, like, what questions do you have for me about the job, about Filevine, about me, whatever. And some people would ask me one question and they were good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so... 10 minutes, like we have 10 minutes left and I'm ending the interview because they've got nothing else they want to ask. If, if that happened, you didn't get the job. Yeah, it's interesting. We, we posted about that recently and some people were commenting like, oh, you know, you shouldn't be judged. You may have got everything answered in previous um, rounds and things like that. But there's always got to be a question that comes out of some sort of conversation, right? Like even after this, I'll, I'll question something you've said just because it's like natural to be inquisitive around like just exploring things, right? And I think it just shows that you've listened and you're interested. I, I think that's so important. And they don't all, like, you should always go into an interview with some planned questions, but there should always be things I imagine that would come up in a discussion that you would want to explore further. Totally, yeah. Because like, I had some people ask me questions about like my journey. Like I had someone ask me like, hey Nick, it looked like you were in healthcare before and you moved into Salesforce. Tell me about that. I loved that because it showed that they had researched me and they were giving this thought. So mm -hmm. like you said, like you should absolutely go into these interviews with some questions planned, but like it should be pretty easy for you to come up with your own questions along the way too. Sure. You mentioned um, like strengths and weaknesses on Salesforce. So like, give me an example of a good answer to that and a bad answer. Okay. So great question. So when I asked that question, I'll give you the example of, uh, so Paul is the one who, uh, guy named Paul is the guy who ended up getting the job. I'll tell you how he answered the question. 
So he told me that he was still working on flows. That was where he felt like he was weak. He was working on flows. He still needed to get his head wrapped around automation. But where he felt like he was pretty good was with how sales cloud worked. So like how opportunities worked, how leads worked, how, um, you know, just kind of the functionality there put, was put together. Um, he was able to go into details of all those different things, which was awesome. And a bad answer to that question was if someone said something, and I got this, I got some version of this answer so many times, was I'm good in the setup menu. Uh, like I know where I could go open the setup menu and I can, I know where to go and find things in there. And I'm still working on um, like automation or something that give me some big answer. Like that told me next to nothing <laughs> about where you actually are, you know? Um, Paul was able to give me a detailed answer of the things he was in and where he felt like he had gotten things nailed down and where he wanted to work and why he wanted to work on those things he needed to work on. Yeah. Um, that told me so much about where he was at and it was awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's that's a great response. And I think some people are scared to talk about um, areas of improvement or areas that they're not particularly strong, worrying that they'll um, be be voted down. Like I had an interview process recently where someone um, kind of scored themselves 10 out of 10 on something. And um, and they were interviewing with someone that was more senior than them. And they were like, well, look, I wouldn't class myself as 10 out of 10 on, on anything, you know, because there's always room for improvement. And I think it's really important to to be honest with your weaknesses and, and to be kind of show that you can self-reflect and, and you can kind of identify gaps to learn. And, and some people worry about that in an interview saying, oh, you know, I'm not great with flows yet, but this is what I kind of want to learn and develop because you might they might think, well, you know, if I can't do flows, I'm not going to get this job. I'm hiring for an entry-level position. I'm not expecting you to know flows. and um, But I am expecting you to be able to evaluate yourself and evaluate your strengths and weaknesses. I totally agree. It's, yeah, it's really silly for someone to disqualify themselves that way. Yeah, go ahead and be upfront with your weaknesses. It's okay. I was, I, I was, if you had told me like, I am comfortable with almost nothing in Salesforce, but here's what I'm working on. Like that would have yeah. been okay as long as you could give me a detailed answer there and what you were working on, you know? Sure. So out of all of the things that you wanted um, in terms of like, yes, some fundamental Salesforce knowledge, like confidence, relationship, like being able to engage with the business, like what was the hardest thing to find out of all of the candidates that you, you spoke with? Great question. So the people who we ended up considering the most were the people who had communication skills down really well. So for example, they asked really good questions during the interview process. When I, uh, they would ask me follow-up questions to my questions to make sure they understood what I was trying to ask them. Um, they were really good listeners. They understood what I was asking. They checked to make sure that I was they were answering my questions, that type of thing. And also they were just personable and friendly. Yeah, so all the people who were the finalists that were like the who we really ended up were, who were really looking at, it was because they had really good communication skills. That was the hardest thing. I had a lot of people who I felt like were smart enough, but I would ask myself the question if you're going to be put in front of someone like my VP of sales or one of my marketing VPs, do I am I confident that that VP is going to walk away from the interaction happy? Do I feel like they're going to enjoy having talked with you? If I wasn't confident of that, it was a huge problem. Now, I'm not saying that you needed to be amazing at this. I just needed to feel like there was a, you know, a good enough base there that you there was I could coach you and work with you on it if there were some weaknesses. But I needed to not be worried that you were going to be a problem with like being awkward or something, you know. Sure. 
So did you, um, now if you reflect back, you've made the hire, they started today, the day of recording. Um, were there people that were more qualified from a Salesforce perspective that didn't get the job than the person that did? Yes. Yeah. So Paul, who got the job, I, I don't want to say he's not smart. He's crazy smart. He's a, a lot of reason we hired him, but he's not certified. And there were a lot of people that I interviewed and looked at very closely who were certified and had experience in things like building flows. And he doesn't have experience building flows right now. He's good technically, but there were definitely other people who had better technical skills. But Paul, what really set him apart was just his communication skills and how personable he was. And that was the deal sealer. So that that was really yeah, the standout for for him was how he presented and and you know you could see him in front of that VP and 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 making a, an impact a positive impact. Yeah, like every single time that I had my so how the interview process worked was you interviewed with me and I have another teammate right now who who reports to me. Her name's Tavai. The two of us would interview you, and assuming that that went well, I would have you interview with some people in sales operations just to kind of get a team fit. And then the final interview was my boss, who's the VP of finance. And a lot of what I was looking for with the interviews with sales ops and the VP of finance was how much do they like this, this person? Are they excited about the idea of working with them? Do they, do they enjoy interviewing with them? And consistently, no matter how many people we interviewed, Paul's name kept coming back up. They were like, yeah, I like that person, but I think I, I like Paul more. Like that, that was something I heard a lot. And for me, that was the sign. Like, okay, like I just need to get this Paul guy and bring him in because people keep talking about how much they liked him. Nice. So if if every junior or kind of entry-level Salesforce professional in the world could hear this right now, what two pieces of advice would you give them? Great question. So two things. I, so the first is get some hands-on experience with Salesforce. If you couldn't show me that you had hands-on experience with Salesforce somewhere, you you kind of screed yourself out of even interviewing with me. And when I say that, I mean super badges. You need super badges. I would almost say it's more important than getting certified. You absolutely want to get some super badges on um, on your profile because those demonstrate hands-on skills in a way certs don't. And I would also say get a dev org and build some stuff in there. Like find something goofy to build. Like build a way to rate movies in a dev org, like do something goofy like that. But doing that shows me initiative and it shows me that you're actually playing with the tools. So get some hands-on experience with Salesforce somehow. Um, I know it's hard to do when you're not, when you don't have a job or if you don't have volunteer opportunities or something, but there's lots you can do on your own. The second thing I would say is make sure you really prepare for your interviews. Like I've said a couple times here, a lot of the differentiators came down to not technical skills, but interpersonal skills. How much did I like talking to you? And I think a lot of that came down was how confident was the person going into the interview, going into the interview. So like do mock interviews, um, have like sit down and think of questions to ask the person interviewing you. Research the people interviewing you. You'll often know their name. Whenever someone was able to talk about something that I have on my LinkedIn profile or had posted about recently, it was flattering and that worked. Yeah, just make sure you're putting in the thought and the time into getting ready for an interview so you can just absolutely look awesome while you're interviewing. That kind of preparation shows a lot more than you would think. And it goes a long way. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, that's uh, that's been amazing to to kind of get the other side of the fence because I think so many people kind of wonder what a hiring manager is looking for, and and so many people are trying to make that break into the ecosystem. And and I think um, you know 
interviews can be quite rare, can be quite few and far between when you're at that kind of junior level and, and or not even junior entry level, like you haven't got that that experience to lean on. So you really need to make the most of each one. Um, and that that last point is is so valid because, well, both points are valid, but the last point is like, you really don't want to let an interview go by without preparing if, if that's going to be one of your only interviews in, in the next couple of weeks. For sure. Yeah. If you have to make each, each time you're at bat, you got to make it count. Yeah, 100%. So uh, if anyone wants to follow up, ask any questions or uh, pick your brains on, on this or any other topic, where's the best place to find you? LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I do my best to respond to all the messages and connection requests and stuff I get. Um, during that whole interviewing hiring process, I got dozens and dozens of messages on LinkedIn and I do my best to respond to all of them. It's just Nick Briner. You can find me pretty easy. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Nick. Been an absolute pleasure. And uh, and yeah, thank you very much for paying it forward and, uh, and giving back to the ecosystem and helping someone else on their journey because I think we need more people doing that. Of course. Thanks for having me, Ben. This has been great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talent Hub Talk. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you could subscribe and also leave a short review. We're keen for this podcast to reach as many people in the Salesforce ecosystem as possible and your reviews will help us do that.